because it is totally, totally different, right? That place is prepared for us. Which we are setting our sights on. So I don't know what vision, what imagination you have as you think about it. But maybe we'll uphold some of those visions. Maybe we'll smash some of those visions. Hey, guess what? Jesus had to smash some visions that people had of him, some expectations that they had of him. But what he replaced it with was so much richer, fuller, deeper, weightier. So, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. I don't know how long we're going to do it for until Jesus says stop. Right? Right now, great grace is needed. Because this subject matter, not only do we have deep visions and imagination about it, um, we can be enthralled with it, enamored with it. Um, it deeply matters to us. And um, as dear sister said this week, the enemy is going to fight against this. Because he does not want us to set our eyes on our hope. And so as we bow for prayer this morning, we not only want to just ask God to speak to us, we want to ask God to defend us from our enemy who brings no hope, no peace, no life, no love, but he brings dread, despair, hate, hostility, fear. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, I love you. But I don't love you because I because I thought of it. I love you because you've made yourself known to me. And I thank you for that. Lord, I pray and I just bring um, our time here together before you. The words that I speak, I want them to be spirit-filled. I want them to be true. I want them to be right. There's so much that's been said about this subject that is just scubalon. It's refuse. Lord, we do not desire to say anything that's not true. And so, Lord, we pray for your spirit to lead in that, guide, teach, instruct. And then, Lord, we also pray that you will defend us. Our enemy is cunning, and we forget that sometimes. Sometimes we think him a doofus, Lord. But that's very far from the reality. 
Sometimes we think of the word foolish. And we think a, a fool is just a naive, simple person. But Lord, really, in, in biblical parlance, a fool is somebody who denies your authority and your way. And that's the enemy. And so he is not, he's not some naive simpleton. He is a very cunning, wicked agent who knows how to play on our fears, who knows how to twist your truth. Defend us against him, Lord. I pray for our advocate to defend us. Lord, enlighten us. Give us a, tr a good, solid vision and hope. And then, Lord, motivate us. That great day of the Lord is coming. There are many who are in darkness who will be caught unaware. We need hearts full of compassion, ready to make a difference in their lives. We need hearts that are eager to snatch them as it were. We were snatching them out of fire, Lord. So be with us, Lord. And give us a good, proper, full motivation. Not only just to claim ourselves disciples ready and able and equipped to make disciples, but Lord, uh, give us a full heart in which we strive, we seek, we long to make disciples of Christ so that we can rescue people. Lord, I pray anything else that you need to do in us. For us. Do it, Lord. We pray these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. Amen.
it been a while since you've heard that song? You know, I, my friend Jack was the, a number of years ago, they had a very sad death in their church, and they spent some time talking about our hope that is to come. And, uh, and he was preaching one of the weeks, and I, um, I was with him at his farm in Hearn, and uh, he always, he's a big fan of music. And he was, uh, he was telling me about this, this folk song that he was going to use. And I was like, oh, that kind of reminds me of Beulah Land. And he goes, what? He had never heard Beulah Land. I was shocked. He obviously didn't grow up in a, uh, you know, Southern gospel tradition. Uh, Shayla, you've never heard that? Hey, that's fine, sister. You've just been enlightened this morning. Thank God for that. My mom used to sing that song. I almost asked her to do it, but I was crying there. I don't think I could have made it through today. It's been a long time since I've heard her sing it. I love that first line of the song. I'm homesick for a country of which I've never been. I love that line, but truth be told, I don't know that I'm always that homesick for that city whose builder and maker is God. And, and, and this morning, I don't have in mind, I don't have in mind this idea like, well, I'm just, I, I, I'm just captivated by all the dainties and the delights of this world. Right? I mean, that's definitely always a temptation, right? You, you, you go like, well, God, I, 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 remember, I remember being a, a kid and... Going, God, I don't want you to come back until I get married. Uh, I really want to experience marriage and all that. And I would be like, okay, even so come, Lord Jesus, but not too soon. So, I mean, there's good things in this world that we, that we get captivated by. And, and, and a lot of times, like, when we think about, like, our eyes aren't fixed on heaven or, 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 or on the age to come or the day of the Lord, when we think about those kinds of things, well, we usually talk about it from that aspect. Oh, you're just, you, you, your flesh is in the desires and the temptations on a positive end. But, but here we are living in a period of uh, social unrest, of natural disasters, of suffering everywhere, grief, sorrow, division, And I, and, I, and I feel like my eyes get pulled from looking forward to looking back. You know, the good old days. But I know the good old days is a myth. And if you go, well, it's not a myth for me. I really had some good old days. Then it's myopic. Because, see, Jesus came to save this world, and this world is broken and rebellious, and it's been out of joint, and it's filled with injustice and sorrow and suffering. And so whatever your good old day was, it wasn't, it was a day of misery for somebody else. And that's not even just to even 
cannot wrap my heart around this song any longer. Whenever I was a kid, it, it stirred me. But now I'm just like, whatever, man. We want America back. We want America back. Jesus wants America and he wants the whole world. But it's like this myth. There was this time whenever Andy Griffith was the number one TV show on the, on the television. Yes, it was. And that was awesome. But, you know, in that same time, there was also horrible atrocities going on. And God wasn't going, well, I'm so glad they're watching Andy Griffith. He was going, what about this injustice and pain? I'm like, hey, you know, the good old days, whenever Jim Crow laws were in effect, I bet that was really good old days for somebody. Sometimes I look back. I'm delusional. <laughs> Sometimes it's not even looking back, it's just looking around. And my mouth drops open. And all the news, 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 news is so negative. And we can't even just report negative news and go like, this is terrible. Then we have to point fingers at everybody. And you know why this is happening? Because so-and-so didn't do their job. And that could be true. But guess what? You and I, we're all part of the brokenness of this world. And whenever you break and you mess something up, what you want is, is, is you, you, you don't mind being held accountable, but you also want some grace and some forgiveness. I look around and, And dread. This is what this is what this is what the world that my kids get to grow up in. Sometimes I just want to look away and deny it's as bad as it is. I think a lot of times as Christians, we think that's our call. Just put on those rose-colored glasses. It's not really that bad out there. And you know what? Scripture, scripture all, very early on wants us to go, hey, you need to smash the rose-colored glasses. The first step out of the garden, a brother murders his own brother. I don't care what kind of sibling rivalry you've experienced in your, in, in, in your home and, and, and what kind of angst and, and frustration you've had with your siblings. You know that if it gets to the point of murder, it's bad. And so Genesis doesn't start out and doesn't ease us into, hey, this world is broken. Genesis starts out and it says, it's calamity right off the gate. Right out of the gate. Right off the bat. Calamity. God's not going, hey, I just want y'all to look to the bright side of things. Look away from all the negative and look to the positive. And, and listen, I'm not saying that there aren't positive things in this world. But the story of scripture is that this world is outside of God's design and outside of his desire. Make no bones about it. 
So whenever injustice happens to you, God doesn't say, well, just look away from that. You deny that it ever happened. God says, we got to deal with this, this hurt, this pain, this grief, this trauma. It needs to be dealt with. And, and, and so, so here I am. I find myself. Deluded, looking back, dreading as I look around, or denying as I look away. Do you find that you're tended to any or all of these things yourself? But as disciples of Christ, we're called to look ahead to that great day of the Lord. <clears throat> My desire is that I grow homesick for a country, for a city whose builder and maker is God. That I long for the day of the Lord when injustice will be eradicated. Exploitation will cease. I can go buy a vehicle and the price hasn't been gouged and I'm not trying to be cheated. I want us all to grow homesick. That is the intention. That's the pure intention of all this series. Is that we grow a longing and a yearning. Not for a myth of something that isn't. That we don't get captivated by fear and dread. You, you know what's so crazy. And this is how cunning our enemy is. Our God designed us. He designed us. With fear as an act to protect ourselves. It, 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 whenever, whenever you're driving your car and you slam on your brakes and you reach your hand out like this, you know that thing that you're going to save that human being in the seat next to you with your mighty, mighty arm driving 60 miles an hour about to hit another vehicle. That impulse God designed our brain to go, stop working right here, work back here. React. Our cunning enemy knows this about us. And our cunning enemy takes what God designed as a safety measure, as a protective measure. And our cunning enemy plays on that. That's why the news is always negative. And that's why today we hear, we know more news than anybody in the world has ever known. You as an individual, you know more about what's going on on the other side of the world. And guess what? Your heart can't take it. Your mind can't take it. And our enemy knows that. He knows you can't take it. He knows that we aren't equipped for that. So he takes this beautiful thing that God gave us 
as a safety measure, as a protective. And then he sits there and all he does is be afraid of this, be afraid of this, be afraid of this, be afraid of this. And guess what you can't do if you are living in fear? You can't have compassion on somebody who's not like you. You ever watch those post-apocalyptic shows? What happens? Well, you get your gang together and you're going to protect one another, but you're suspicious of everybody else. You, you can't love somebody who's not part of your, clue, uh, your, your clan, your crew. You have to protect yourself and your stuff. us to grow homesick so that we can live in love today we're going to look in second peter chapter number three if we're not looking for if we're not looking back deluded if we're not looking around in dread if we're not looking away in denial what should we be looking for Scripture tells us we should be looking for the day. The day of the Lord. This is a theme that is throughout all of Scripture. In the prophets, you'll find a lot of the day of the Lord talk. Uh, Jesus uh, talks about that day. Paul talks about the day. Peter writes about the day. John, vividly. Wildly writes about the day. The day of the Lord. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read beginning in verse number 10. And just to set the context here, 1 Peter is a very small book, three chapters, a very small letter. Peter had a pastoral concern. So he wrote to some disciples those who have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We don't know exactly who he wrote to. He just wrote to those who shared the faith with him. And Peter wants them to continue growing in their faith and in their love and in their temperance and in their virtue. He wants them to become more and more like Christ. And Peter encourages them at the end of chapter number one. He says, listen, I want you to continue doing this. Um, I, I want you to continue doing it until Jesus returns. And then he says, hey, listen, everything that you've received from us, you've received from eyewitnesses who not only saw Jesus, we saw the transfigured Jesus. We are offering you a more sure word of prophecy. In chapter 2, you find out a little bit of why Peter is telling him, I want you to continue growing in your faith, in your virtue, in your love, in your honesty, in your gentleness, in your humility. And, and, and why, why is he undergirding that, hey, what we've said to you is true. Not only that Jesus has come, but that he is coming again. It's because in chapter number 2, there are false prophets out there. And any number of things that they're saying. And he wants to assure 
the disciples. God will deal with that. And I want us to think about it like this. Don't just think about false prophets in that way. Think about all injustice and evil. He wants them to be sure. Listen, you keep growing in your faith. Don't, don't turn to dread, despair, denial. As this world continues on in hate and hostility and exploitation and oppression and vengeance and violence, war, God has dealt with those things in the past to assure us that he will deal with these things. And the day that he will deal with these things is the day of the Lord. And then as we get into chapter number three, beginning part of the chapter, he says, I know one of the chief lies that are going to happen. People are going to say, it's been 2,000 years and he still ain't come yet, bud. And they'll scoff at you and they'll fuck maybe he's just maybe he's just being lazy. Maybe he's just reclined. You know, that was actually what's so interesting about this is the pagan gods actually believed that about their gods. They believed that they had to wake up their gods. Remember the prophets of Baal, Mount Carmel, right? Elijah's there. And they pray like all day long. They start cutting themselves. Elijah scoffs and he mocks. He says, maybe he's resting. Because they really believe that Baal would be resting and they needed to rouse him into action. And so they had to go, oh, great Baal, thou art in a long list of His attributes, his victories. Can you hear us now, sir? Do you see how, how, how magnificent we think you are, Baal? Oh no, he hasn't heard us. Maybe he needs, maybe he needs blood, some sacrifices. Maybe we need to uh, buy his attention and his affection and his favor. Peter says, people will say that about our God. About the God who humbled himself. Of his own initiative. Not because people said, oh, you're so great and mighty and wonderful. And here, 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 here. Here's my blood. No, the God who took his own initiative, humbled himself, put on flesh and blood, and came and lived life as a servant. He died on the cross of Calvary. Not to seize his crown, which was rightfully his, but to receive his crown. Maybe, maybe he's just sleeping. 
Maybe that's not just been a scoff that you've heard. Maybe it's been a fear in your heart. A thought that maybe this isn't true. Guess what? It's okay if you've ever felt that way. Don't hide that from God. Bring it to him. God, I'm scared that this is all bogus. Maybe Freud was right or Nietzsche was right. Maybe I just took an opiate for the masses. Man, our God's so good. He won't go, get out of here, you insolent swine. He'll say, come here. Come here. Let me minister to you. Let me attend to you. Let me, let, let me, let me show you that this is true. I would imagine that you might go to sleep that night and have a, a real sweet dream. Maybe something you could call a vision in which God says to you, like he said to Paul, it's true. Remember, Paul said, caught up into the third heaven. Didn't know if he was asleep or not. Didn't know if he was dreaming or not. It was that real. I'm not going to promise that God will do that because he gives gifts, and I can't put my finger on why. He gives visions, and I can't put my finger on Well, why did he give this person a vision? I don't know. Why do you use Samson? Samson must have been a really good guy. Samson wasn't. Samson was really corrupt in a lot of ways. Oh, well, it was Gideon. He must have been a real good Gideon, not, not the best guy. That's the beautiful thing about our God. The spirit blows where the spirit wants to blow. So, Peter says, listen, don't, don't ever believe that God is being lazy. Do you know God's heart? What's God's heart? It's his desire that no one perishes, but that all come to repentance. So if he's taking his time He's giving more time because he, guess what? On the day of the Lord, and we're going to read about it here in just a second. Whenever he exacts justice, he won't do it with a smile on his face. He won't do it like a maniacal tyrant. He will do it with grief in his heart. He will do it like Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have protected you from this. But you would not. You would not. I would have gathered you up like a mother hen gathers up her chicks. But you rejected me and you rejected me and you rejected me. God is not looking for that day because God's heart will be broken on that day. When he has to say, depart from me, you cursed. That's our God's heart. He's not sitting back, eating grapes, watching the world burn, getting kicks out of it. He's not somebody that we need to come and shake. And, Do you see what's going on? He's not so bloodthirsty waiting for that day. 
He is putting off and putting off and putting off. Let's do more. Spirit, spirit, we're going to do more. That's what we see throughout the scriptures, don't we? This world is corrupt and it's filled with violence. I can't, I, I, I can't, I can't strive with them. I can't let them live for hundreds and hundreds of years and be destructive and vile. I, that, that can't happen. Rescue operation number one. Noah, he's not perfect by any means. But I'm going to use him. I'm going to use him. I'm going to start over with his family. How does that go? Okay, okay, okay. Well, things aren't going great. We get to the Tower of Babel. Okay, well, all right, l- listen, listen. If we just, if they're all working in unity together, this is going to be, this is going to be a mess real quick. Real, real quick. We're, we're, we're running into some trouble here. The vanity of their imagination. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Okay. Separate them, divide them. There's going to be some unintended consequences from this. We're going to, th- these people who are divided from these people are going to think that they're better than these people. Hmm. Going to be sad. But it's mitigating, not eradicating at this point. Abraham. Come here, Abraham. Abraham perfect? No, by no means. Does God use him? Yes, by all means. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you a mighty nation, and through you, and you will be blessed, and through you, the whole world will be blessed. How's that project go with Israel? Israel, do it good? No, just up and down, two steps, one step forward, two steps back. But it's God going, I'm, I, 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 sin has to be dealt with. These, these, these insolent, Vile people hurting each other. Destroying each other's lives. I can't let this go on. But, but, but I love my creation. Come here, son. Yes, Sarah. Will you go? Yes. I'm going to send you back son at some point when dad I don't know why not dad because I can't bear the thought because whenever I send you back son when I send you back this will happen beginning in verse number 10 the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. I don't want to do it, son. It has to be done. I'm just, I'm fully just. It has to be dealt with. And not only on this cosmic level am I fully just, but come here, let me show you something. 
See this little girl being abused by her father? We have to do something about this. Right now, what am I doing about it? I I have my spirit living in people who are going to come and they're going to liberate this little girl from her father's house. And and then there's another family who has my spirit in them and they're going to take that little girl and they're going to raise her in a home that's filled with love and truth. I'm doing that right now. I'm not not sitting there with my hands. I'm not sitting on my hands, right? We get this, don't we? He is working right now. Bringing justice, hope, and love into this world through you and me. But on that day, For all those who continue to reject what we see, there's a great burning away. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? If things are going to burn up like wood, hay, and stubble, then why are you going to live doing the wood, hay, and stubble stuff? Why are you not storing up treasure in heaven? And let's just get this right here. Storing up treasure in heaven would be doing the things like being patient with people who are testing your patience. Loving people impartially and unconditionally when they don't deserve your love. Blessing those who curse you. That's what it takes for us to store treasures in heaven. It may be that you are faithful and diligent and disciplined in your faith to be at church, to pray, to read your Bible. But what God really wants from us is us to live neighborly, lovingly, kindly, compassionately, like Christ, with people in this world that is filled with hate and hostility. He wants us to use our resources So that we don't only do it here, but we do it in other countries and nations as well. He wants us to to, to be willing to say, hey, look, I want to sit down on my tukis and do nothing right now. But this person needs my help. And I'm not only helping them because they'll help me later. I'm helping them and they can never repay me. And nobody's going to see me. And nobody's going to say, you're such a good person for doing that. Because I'm not going to go brag and be like, that passive brag that, well, we were over at so-and-so's house yesterday. You know, they're having a real hard time. But <laughs> it, I was there. I, you know, I was there. What manner of Persons ought we to be looking for and hasting unto 
the coming of the day of God. Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, his prophecy, the more sure prophecy that Peter received and the other apostles received, Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration, they not only saw Jesus, they not only heard Jesus, they saw him transfigured, they heard the voice of God. Listen, if anybody's seen a vision and if anybody has a prophetic word, I have a prophetic word, my name is Peter, I saw Jesus as he shall be. And as we all shall see him, gather around. We look for a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth what? Righteousness. We are looking for the day of the Lord. And if we understand that, we will look for that day the way that God looks for that day where we really want it to come, but we also really want him to wait. Because people's lives matter. The new day that is coming is not a disembodied bliss. It's not you and I floating on a cloud, playing harps with wings. It's you and I looking like you and I. Jesus died, and then he rose again. Flesh and blood. He ate food. He gives us, this gives us a glimpse into what the day of the Lord will bring. It will bring a new heavens and a new earth. Resurrection. And in this new heavens and this new earth, there will be righteousness. There will be justice that flows through the streets. I used to, as a kid, have visions whenever I wanted to be in the X Games that I would be able to do half pipe tricks because I'll be in my glorified body. I now no longer think that that is going to be the case. When Jesus was resurrected, guess what he still had? He still had marks in his hands and in his feet. He had a spear-pierced side. But yet, he was altogether new. Glorified, my dad used to say, everybody, glorified body is going to be five foot four with red hair and a mustache. He was a character. Glorified for Jesus glorified for Jesus was like don't forget what I did for you remember what we've been through what are we getting homesick for new heavens new earth righteousness We'll talk about some of this stuff later. Some of our visions involve mansions because the King James Version translated a word that's only used twice in the entire New Testament. And both times it's used in the same chapter. And later they simply translate it abode, which means a dwelling. But for whatever reason, whenever Jesus said, in my father's house are many 
dwellings, abodes, we put mansions there. And that is quite possible that God is going to give us mansions. Quite possible. Well, will they look much different from the houses across the street? Compared to your house? Or your house compared to the huts in Africa? I don't know. But if that is captivating our hearts, if that's making us homesick, I can't wait till I get to my mansion. If that's captivating our hearts, then we've missed the plot because the plot is not about getting a mansion. The plot is about righteousness coming to this world. Because see, the first step out of the garden, two brothers who should have loved each other and cared for each other and provided for each other and, and, and brought each other up and supported each other, they got at odds with one another and one of them killed the other one. And if God wanted to put a stop to it, somebody would have killed him. And hate and hostility and violence and cruelty have been the way of this world since. And God's not going, oh, I just can't wait to give you a mansion. He's going, I want y'all to stop hating each other. I want you to stop hurting each other. I did not design you. I did not design women to be raped. I didn't, God, I didn't do that. But I created all this and I'm responsible for it and I'm going to take responsibility for it. But I didn't do that. So, as we grow homesick, let's grow homesick for righteousness. Hey, let's not look to the days whenever, hey, you know, we had the moral majority in this country. You know what else? We also still had cocaine going crazy in this country at the same time. And our politicians and our government feeding it to our people. Let's look for a time where true righteousness comes. Where true justice comes. And it comes for everyone. And as we look for that day, let's live as people of righteousness, justice, mercy, love, which involves telling a world, people who are stuck in the delusions of yesteryear, of the dread of the present, or looking away, denying it, means telling them about the day of the Lord. And the hope that God's going to burn all that away. And what's going to be emerge from it is a brand new creation. Not some disembodied bliss. Plato believed in that. No, but a new heavens and a new earth. Because God isn't giving up on this thing. He's shown us from day one, I'm never going to give up on this. My project is never going to be done away with. Even whenever he really, you see him boil up at times, I really want to get rid of this project. I won't because I love them. Let's get that in our hearts, in our minds. Let's get our vision for what it looks like to live in a world that is just. Here's the deal. We don't have that vision because we've never seen it. Our closest, our best attempts at justice are so far from the mark still yet. But God's promises, there is a day. For that, 
to that day, my brothers and my sisters, I say, let's stop looking back in delusion. Let's stop looking around in dread. Let's stop looking away in denial. And let's look to the day of the Lord. Amen? Lord, I love you. You're good and your mercy endures forever. Lord, I did not even think about this before. But God, whenever you, um, before this message, Lord, but I love this word. I love this reality that God, you're not just waiting just to wait. You're, Lord, I, 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 your heart, your heart is being patient because you know that with newness has to come a doing away with the old. And so, Lord, what you've done is you've put your church in this world. You've put your spirit in people so that we could be, we could be agents of mercy and grace bringing your newness right now. Because when that day comes, real accountability is going to be had. Lord, might we understand our call is to be the agents of righteousness? To bring that newness now so that people don't have to suffer then. They can stop suffering now and they don't have to suffer then. Lord, make us homesick for that country of which we've never been. And may we, out of this homesickness, be motivated to live in a manner that is holy, that is godly, that is just, Lord. I pray these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. I'm going to invite you all to spend a few minutes reflecting, thanking.